everybody, and welcome to the For the Win podcast. I am your host on Tuesdays, Charles Curtis, and with me today is somebody you recognize from the Friday podcast, but in uh, today she's here in an NHL capacity because the NHL playoffs, and it's super exciting. It's Hamel Javari. Hi, Hamel. What's going on? Hi, Charles. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to talk hockey playoffs because uh, playoff hockey is better than a lot of sports playoffs, uh, I would argue, and I'm really excited to talk to you about that. I know this is our second show in a row where we've talked to NHL playoffs and I could not be happier. Okay, I'm glad you're happy. Um, I, I, you know, I, I covered the NHL for a brief time uh, about, uh, I think, five years ago, um, and I, I still keep up with it. And it's uh, already getting really spicy. And, uh, you know, and, and, and of course, that means that I, I have to bring up before we, we get into it, a, another spicy thing, which is our sponsors um, at Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, and, and you're going to love this, Hamill. Or maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Let's get into it. There's a new Boston town at Buffalo Wild Wings, and he deals in bacon. It's the Bacon Boss Burger featuring bacon three different ways and a blanket of white cheese sauce. And he's joined by other new favorites like the Smothered Cheese Steak Quesadilla, Sweet Chili Shrimp, and Alaska Cod Classic, all paired perfectly with a Sam 76, a fruity ale with the crisp finish of a lager. Hurry in today and try them all before they're gone at Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings Beer Sports. Available for a limited time while supplies last. Please drink responsibly. All right. Let's get into it. I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, because you, you not only you do a bunch of stuff for For the Win, obviously, uh, but you are our NHL reporter. You've been reporting on Capitals games uh, in the postseason, and I gotta say, y'all should follow Hemel on Instagram. I don't know if you want this Hemel, but I'm, I'm gonna do it anyway. You gotta follow her because her stories after the game, the you know Instagram stories, are so like good. It's always like sad caps. Oh, here's Ovechkin. He's really sad, and I'm just wondering, like, what is it like covering this this team that is potentially on the verge, and we're taping this on Tuesday, by the way, we're, you know, potentially on the verge of another good season, but postseason collapse. Yeah, it's a really interesting team to cover, and I would say this is probably my fourth year doing NHL coverage, and, and seriously, my and my third playoff year being in a locker room. So I wouldn't say that I have uh, so much experience, but this isn't my first year covering it. Um, it's really different, you know. I, I wonder how other reporters handle it because uh, I have a very hard time. It's not about being objective because I can be objective by by no means. But when you are in the locker room and when you do see the players up close, uh, you there's a very different feeling in there. So it's definitely not hard for me, but it does become a little um, it becomes a little tough to kind of keep going in there and asking them the same questions, which basically boil down to well, this didn't go your way again. How does that feel? I mean, it feels like shit. Oops, sorry, I'm not supposed to curse. Um, <laughs> it, it feels like like doo-doo for them. Of course it does. So it's it's kind of tough, and I think it's especially the hardest for the beat reporters. And, you know, I tend to go in a handful of times during the regular season and then every postseason game. So it's an interesting experience. I think that... I think that anybody who does it, um, really, whatever team you cover, you do have like a deep empathy for the players because you see how hard they work day in, day out. Uh, and uh, they're not just going through the motions. And you can see how every loss really affects them. Yeah. Uh, do, do you, can you attribute anything? I mean, it's every year the Capitals are different, but is there something you can sort of attribute to 
this year that like this team just or you know in general that you just feel like is the the problem that the Capitals have never gotten over to get past you know get off the Schneider get off the you know uh, get to where they should be with one of the best players on the planet like what is standing in their way every year I mean, if I had a real answer for that, you know, they, they should hire me on the coaches, on the coaching staff. Um, I think there's a couple of things. I think that I, people talk about the hot goalie problem all the time, but I think that Bobrovsky was playing really well uh, in game two, which is which is one thing. Um, also, the two star players really did perform Oceano Vechkin. But they do the same thing that they kind of do every postseason is that they seem to really pay for small mistakes that they keep making. Uh, The Tom Wilson penalty would happen in game one and it happened in game two as well. You know, Tom Wilson took two bad penalties, but their penalty kill wasn't strong enough to stop the Blue Jackets from scoring during both of those times. So it seems to me that when they do make small mistakes, other teams are really able to capitalize on those mistakes and then they can't fight, figure out a way back. Yeah, Um, that's interesting. Yeah. So, so that is, that's one of those things. And that's really the pattern that I've seen in the past three years with the Capitals is that, small mistakes do end up costing them big sometimes it's just a breakdown in in defense other times the capitals will uh, like they seem to do every period is that they come out strong and they score early and then they kind of take their foot off the gas and let other teams catch up which i don't even think it's a thing that they are consciously doing um but it's a pattern that i've seen repeat over and over again that's a, you know i was yeah. wondering if there was some some sort of like roster thing going on with them because i just i always feel like you know they've they've had like great top players. Obviously, Alex Ovechkin's a future Hall of Famer and is paid as such, and he should be paid as such. Um, and they've got Kuznetsov and 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 Nicholas Backstrom, who's one of my favorite players in the NHL because he he's just he, like you talk about the little things. Like there's a guy who's oh he's fantastic, always doing all the little things. And TJ Oshie, um, even before he was an Olympic hero, was was always so fun to watch. Um, but I'm sort of like wondering if like if they've always if they've lacked like depth or like. Yeah. You know, like the ability to finish. Like I think about, you know, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights who we'll get into, and I think about like how deep they are as a team as opposed to sort of top heavy. And so I'm kind of wondering, like there was talk last offseason, I think we wrote about it, I might have written about like, you know, it's time to trade for him, or at least I was thinking about it, um, trying to trade Ovechkin. Do you think like that's really the, the solution here is like if they lose in this postseason, like are they going to get rid of Alex Ovechkin and just start from scratch again? No, I don't think getting rid of Ovi is the solution to anything. And I definitely do not think that Ovechkin is the problem, right? I know that there's a lot of people that like to just kind of blame the star player. Um, Last, the last season playoff wise, I mean, he didn't have great playoff production. He had a great regular season. And then for whatever reason, when it starts to be the playoffs, he had a drought. Um, He didn't score any game. He didn't score any goals in game one, but he scored two goals in game two. So I I don't think that it's an Ovechkin problem. And I think to use one player as a scapegoat is just a real fallacy. But I do agree with your point about there not being overall depth on their bench. Um, I don't have numbers to in front of me to really go through it, but you can kind of see with uh, I think there's a really good comparison to be made with Nashville here, which is that Nashville kind of uh, lacks a one person superstar like a Sidney Crosby or an Alex Ovechkin on offense, right? Who's really able to, to score a lot of goals, but they have great depth. They have a lot of players who are able to score 
not a huge amount of goals, but a really solid amount of goals. And that seems to be what keeps them going. So, and that is something that I think the capitals are lacking and I don't, you know, and it just is, I I don't think it's that easy. I think part of it is that this team does tend to unravel a little bit in the playoffs because as much as they don't want to admit it, the pressure is, is very high and they're all kind of fighting with that, with that, um, that devil on their shoulder. Yeah. I kind of wonder mentally how much, the pressure is tenfold because yeah, they're they're this regular season team with the, with the the postseason collapses they've had in the last oh I don't know ten, you know five to ten years as yeah. as Ranger as somebody who grew up uh, and and rooted for the Rangers I was always like all right the Capitals like that you know and the, the Rangers they had a, an epic collapse against the Rangers a few years back um, and I kind of had confidence that that the Caps would collapse that way um, and and that tells you the story I think is is that this is a team you know and like look we're talking about a team that hasn't lost a series yet but we're already talking about the team that could be on the verge of of another of another you know lost season and it's just it's it must be crushing uh whether whether the 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 team will admit it or not it is it's it's very crushing um i you know i was in the locker room last game game two and uh, john carlson kind of came out to talk to the media as as a lot of players did and the players try very hard to remain neutral win or lose right like they'll talk in the same tone of voice but i remember with carlson he was saying all the right things like i've got faith in this group i really think we can do it we've been in this position before but the look on his face that the guy was just shell-shocked like with every player i saw that night it felt like they just could not believe that this was happening again um so it is god what was my point what was your question again i can't I <laughs> feel like was, i lost the thread no no i think you've, you've got it I, I think we're just making the point like i kind of, you were talking about john carlson kind of in and his, his what you heard in his voice like you, the history you think is on his shoulders yeah yeah i think the history is on his shoulder but i felt like i had a different point so i'm sorry that i <laughs> totally like it literally flew out of my mind that's okay um, I, I i will jump in with and and just say like playing a team like a team with so much finesse like the the capitals have i think playing a team that has like Tor- john tortorella grit to me is like part of the problem too is like mm-hmm. you're facing this team that will grind you out of the building and a coach that will figure out a way to grind you out of the building and like that is a, a tough as tough a matchup as any team i think any other team facing that you know uh, save maybe for the penguins would have a lot of trouble because that's what a, a john tortorella team does they will they will just out grind you in the corners win the little battles do mm-hmm. the right things you know um uh, goaltending will be solid and it's just it's that's the story uh, you know and and it, it could yeah. just be that and it could be you know, we could be just talking about a small sample size of however many years of capital collapses. Yeah. Oh, I, I think what I was going to say also is that we might it might be a different story if they played in a different conference or if they played um, in a different division, you know, because yeah. every year part of the problem is that they play really well regular season um, and they can't get past the second round because they have to face the Penguins. And it just happens to be the Capitals bad luck that the penguins are at at the top of their game and have been consistently for for however many years that this has happened so you know had they been in the atlantic division were they out in the western conference we this could be a totally different story and they may not be winning cups but they would be progressing further further uh, along i hope i so. hope this doesn't happen again it's just it's too soul crushing for me i know I did, you know I did, it's hard to watch that being said, I do think that the Capitals, as they always do, they tend to play better with their backs up against a wall. So I think they'll definitely win game three, possibly game four, 
and uh, whether it's six games or seven, they'll they'll make it out of the first round. Ooh, an interesting prediction yeah. from Hemel over here. Uh, speaking of which, what other NHL playoff things have you been impressed by, writing about, uh, watching anything anything viral? I don't know. What do what have you been looking at and writing about? Um, I have, I mean, we tend to focus on featurey stuff. So I, the, the series that I've been keeping an eye on Pittsburgh and uh, Philadelphia, which has been really funny, but also the games have just been incredibly lopsided. Um, that has been really fun to watch. Uh, the biggest viral thing that has come out of the playoffs so far, though, is nothing to do with what happened on the ice during the game. Um, but the viral video of, uh, Brett Connolly from the Washington Capitals trying to give this little little girl a puck. I'm sure you saw it as well. I sure did. Yeah. Uh, for those <laughs> of you who don't know, yeah. So the video basically is is uh, Brett Connolly, and and it's it's funny. Like we should we should say from the outset, it, it is very funny. He he points to a girl over the glass and flips up a puck, and then all of a sudden the funny goes away because I think it's a dad or somebody grabs a puck and hands it to one of the boys next to her and Connolly goes back and he, he like grabs another puck and he flips it over to give to the girl. He keeps pointing at the girl and the dad grabs it again and gives it to another boy next to her. And Connolly like, this is the thing that I love. He like throws up his hands like, uh, like come on. And yeah. he grabs another puck and is like pointing like, give it to the girl. And the, 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 another, I think another guy grabs it again and gives it to her and she's so happy. Um, what was your take on that? So my take on it was, uh, and I know I get made fun of this all the time for it because I have a tendency to, to make everything horrible and political. Um, <laughs> but, but my take on it was that initially when I saw the video, I was like, oh, this is so adorable. Like he's trying so hard to, to give this little girl the puck and then she's so happy, which is like very surface viewing of what happened. And then the more I saw it, the more I became increasingly outraged at the dad behavior. And to me, it just turned into like a parable for institutionalized sexism and male privilege. (laughs) (laughs) But, But when you're watching the video, like it's so clear that Connolly wants to give the puck to this little girl, right? And I know you probably have a dad take on it. I do. But he, he, he throws it over and this man grabs it and instead of giving it to the girl, he gives it to this little boy standing next to her. And the little boy standing next to her is mildly, like, happy to have a puck. He's like, oh, cool, I got a puck. I didn't really work hard for this puck. I'm not even really sure I wanted this puck, but I have a puck. And then Connolly goes back, throws another puck, and gives it to another little boy who, again, was not really angling for a puck. Like, he's just kind of sitting there cheering. So... The third time Connolly does it, she finally gets the puck and like the joy on her face is, in, is indescribable. But to me, it just played out with like what so many women and girls go through is that you have to work twice, three times as hard to get something that should have been yours to begin with because mm-hmm. somebody else in a position of power was taking that opportunity away from you. Like, I, I don't know the, the story about any of this, right? Whether he is a dad for all three kids or anything but you can see the look on this girl's face and how crushed she is when she doesn't get the puck the first time around like it it is definitely i mean it's heartbreaking like because she knows that something deeply unfair just happened like even though she is a kid she understands that uh, this was supposed to be mine like this was supposed to be mine and then somebody bigger and stronger came and took it away from me and you can tell that that's going through her face like she understands it wasn't just like a 
oh, well, nuts, this didn't work out. She understands how deeply unfair it was that the boy next to her gets that puck. And that's what really resonated with me when I watched it several times. I was like, oh, my God, she knows that what happened was wrong. Yeah. Um, so... And, and I will say to Brett Connolly's credit, he's a good ally, right? Like, this is how all men should behave when they see something unfair happen, which is that you have to keep going until you can make the situation right, which is what he did. So that that is my take on it. Which is I that, love that, though. Yeah. I, yeah. No, I, I, and this is, some, I, I should say, I laughed at, at Hamill's take, and I, I know you laughed, because yeah. it, 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 it first glance sounds like, uh, you know, but like... Hemel, mm-hmm. the the best thing about having Hemel around is is we need somebody like that at For the Win and in life in general to be like, uh, wait a second, like you know, this is there's something bigger going on here, and I, I think there's value in that. Um, and on top of that, um, I, I just I, I just think it's it's great that you see that video and you see something something bigger at play there. Um, and and thank God, like you know, Brett Connolly stepped up to the plate and said, you know, like here we're gonna make this right, which is good, being a good athlete and being a good human being. Um, yeah. Two things we could really use in our in our lives. Um, my dad take now. If that is the dad for the other boys now, and and this is we're assuming a lot here. I just don't. I would like worry about internet shaming people because you yes. don't know the real story, right? Like that's my yes. first thing. And I'm not saying you're doing it. I the funny thing is, by the way, that everybody. I I actually reached out to you yesterday. And I was like, we're going to talk about this on 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 the podcast. When I was looking at Twitter and seeing the takes on this video, it was so similar to what you said. And it wasn't just women saying this. It was a lot of mm-hmm. people saying like, uh, you know, this is, this is a, uh, this is a little bit of a, a metaphor. Um, or I guess maybe it's not a metaphor. Anyway, the point is, I, I think the dad is in a weird position. If he is a dad that like, he wants to like show what his, you know, like I'm a great dad and I got this for you. Um, and maybe he didn't see the girl and maybe again, the girl wasn't his daughter, for, for example, that could also be possible. So, I, I I hope the dad isn't getting it too hard um, on the internet in terms of just like you know I feel a little bad for him at the same time it's like ladies first you know and if yeah. the girl has the puck like or you know if, if Connolly's motioning to her give her the puck this happens by the way baseball games too where somebody will take a foul ball from somebody that was supposed to get the foul ball and I'm right. like no 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 like let the kid have the have the foul ball. So my question for you as a dad and I will I will say that I spent way too much time thinking about this. But when she grabs the puck, she turns around and she shows it to a different man. So that, mm. to me, makes it seem like the whole interaction didn't make it seem like these two two boys sitting next to her were her siblings. Because if it was a sibling, I feel like I would have either fought my sibling for that puck or I would have <laughs> there would have been a little bit more interaction. Um, but my question for you is, as a dad, I know you have a, you have a young son, mm-hmm. but it's also uh, some of the stuff I read on the Internet is that and what the announcers were saying was that he kind of kept playing Brett Connolly to get pucks for all three of his kids. And I'm like, that's still wrong. You just have to teach them to share. Like you can't have three pucks. Like that's, that's just being greedy. Oh, that's just, I agree with you a hundred percent. And that was the, the, my story. My next take is I, I, I mean, this is my kids almost four. I try to make certain things a teachable moment Mm -hmm. and that would be a teachable moment right there is like, I, I'm trying to think of like what I would do in that scenario if I was the one who grabbed the puck and gave it to my kid, and then I realized that the that Brett Connolly was trying to give it to the girl. I probably would bend over to you know my, my kid and say, "Listen, you know he wanted to give it to this girl, and, and and we should share with this girl, you know, and and maybe he'll he'll give you one if you if you share with you know the girl or something like that." I'm now imagining my kid being like, "No, you know, but you have to." <laughs> I mean, you know, there's a whole set of reaction. Oh, you absolutely have to try. And I think there's a, I mean, I, I think I do a lot of things where I try to make things teachable moments when, 
you got to sometimes let it go. But that is a case where I think there is there is a lot to to learn and a lot of lessons to be to be taught there. Um, that and, and I hope that that the dad maybe you know was trying to do right for all three kids but you didn't know like i'm with you like you wouldn't have known that that brett Connolly would have gone back for two more pucks like uh yeah it's 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 a it's a really tough position to be in uh but i my automatic and i'm saying this on the air hopefully people that i know will, will know that this is true to me i would have absolutely given the girl the puck firsthand because we, we you know that's what you're supposed to do yeah, even if even if it is your kid that is standing next to you, it's just about being a good citizen to be like he want Brett Connolly wants to give the puck to this to this child who's jumping up and down, regardless of the fact that my kid is standing there. It's like it's it just seems like the decent thing to do. Um, I have I don't want to call this person like like you said, you're very right about internet shaming somebody. So I'm glad that nobody knows this person's name really and they have not come forward and they've decided to stay hidden hoping that this all blows over because we've already spent so much time talking about it. (laughs) Um, But I, in, you know, he could be a perfect. Shame him. I just like, but if you just look at them, not really as, um, you know, without knowing kind of the backstory, the entire situation feels so uncomfortable, especially I think for a lot of women, like you said, the reaction was so, was overwhelming because because I feel like a lot of people have been in that position where you see something so deeply unfair happen and and you want to make it right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Let's take a break for a second and hear from our pals at Rocket Mortgage. Uh, Support for the For the Win podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. They understand that home plays a big role in your life and family. That's why they created Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. It's simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. It's convenient. Our trusted partners allow you to share your financial information with Rocket Mortgage at the touch of a button. And in addition to getting a real mortgage approval in minutes, you can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you're getting the right solution for you. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com FTW. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. All right, Hamill, let's get back to talking hockey. Uh, we, we've talked a lot of East Coast here. I want to jump in. I wrote something the other day about why it's time for everybody to jump on the Vegas Golden Knights bandwagon, and that's more for NHL non-NHL fans. Uh, how did you feel? Do you agree with me? Like, Do you think that, that like the team to jump on the bandwagon for is the Vegas Golden Knights? I, I really do, and I will call my own self out here and say that probably two, three years ago, um, when the Vegas franchise was announced, the expansion franchise was announced, I really wrote an article that was like, why Vegas is doomed to fail. Um, and the, I will say the one caveat for that column was that I said that all of it would be rendered null and void if the team actually won. Um, so I was as skeptical, if not more skeptical, than anyone else about expansion franchises out in the desert. But Vegas has done something remarkable Um, And I'm really curious to have you just take me through the column again, because I will admit I was a hard sell, but I've I've completely come around to the fact that this is not a a fluke, that something very right is happening in Vegas. 
Yeah, and I think that there's a lot going on there. And I have to give a shout out to a buddy of mine, Dan, uh, one of my one of my best friends. Um, we were talking the other day, and he said, "Oh man, are you rooting for the Golden Knights in the playoffs?" And I said, "I kind of want to see the Predators right the wrong lo- that, that that happened last year. You know, come back from the mm-hmm. the loss last year." And he was like, "You're nuts! Like, why aren't you rooting for the Vegas Golden Knights?" And I was like, "Well, actually, I've been meaning to write about." The Golden Knights and and why it's such an incredible story and so born out of this was my column which was that you have to you have to root for the Golden Knights because number one they have the chance to be the all time incredible sports story that could be a Hollywood story which is they're an expansion franchise and in year one you're not supposed to even make the playoffs you're supposed to be sort of building slowly and going from bottom up and you're building a fan base and you're taking these veterans who have been unprotected by their teams for one reason or another and you're smushing them all together in this mishmash which doesn't usually especially with nhl franchises it doesn't usually create that good of a team because the team is a very cohesive thing in the nhl it's not like baseball Mm -hmm. where you can have you know one through nine and i'm not saying that baseball teams don't have cohesiveness it's just a different kind of thing where an nhl franchise they everybody has to be kind of on the same page in philosophically, and that also means from a, like a physical point of view. Like a player on a John Tortorella grinded out team may not necessarily be the right player for a you know fast uh, you know transition type of team. Maybe an Alan Vigneault team, but I don't know. They, they, anyway, <laughs> well, well, yeah, well, yeah. NHL teams just because you have to play in such close contact with each other, the conventional wisdom is that it takes a little bit of time to build that that kind of chemistry where you can read other people on the ice. Right, right. And I just think that that, that that existence of an expansion franchise that almost won the President's Cup uh, trophy for best uh, best team uh, in, in the entire regular season uh, is incredible. And then you have the fact that they could run through the playoffs and be Stanley Cup champions in their first season. And that would be a Hollywood story. Like, I can imagine it, like, the opening scene is, like, the, the, the ribbon cutting, and then they're up in the offices being like, oh, man, who are we going to take in this expansion draft? And then they're like, well, we're taking James Neal and his contract, and Marc-Andre Fleury, yeah, he's won some cups, like, you know, he might be good, and, and so on and so forth. And then suddenly you have them uh, end of the story, winning the cup. It's, it, is, it is truly, that's the main reason why. But I also talked about, like, the Vegas flu, which is the, the joking, I don't know if it's joking, but sort of the, Scare quotes mm-hmm. uh, phrase they used for the the potential reason why Vegas was so good at home because opposing teams went there and did a lot of fun stuff on the strip and then the next day were a little maybe hungover or they'd stayed up a little too late or they were knocked off their their usual rhythm because they were in Vegas and and the two other reasons are they're really good at hockey which you know we can talk about as well and that they they embrace their Vegasness so much that they have like these pregame skits with a with a you know a knight slaying the king and 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 they're they're you know it's I love it I love the whole the whole story is great yeah, I, I think that the Vegas has really been phenomenal. And a lot of kudos to GM George McPhee, who was previously of the Capitals, um, for building a team of players where I think what the quote he said was that they didn't really pick players that were superstars now, but they picked all the players that were going to be superstars several years from now. Um, so when you have this expansion draft, I, rem- I remember that the two big names, James Neal and Marc-Andre Fleury, right? Fleury coming out of Pittsburgh, he had already had a lot, you know, he'd faltered in the postseason despite having won some cups, like his play had been postseason shaky. So that allowed Matt Murray to kind of come in and, and take the, the starting spot away from him. So and Flurry is not the kind of guy that had a chip on his shoulder, right? Like, he was okay being traded. Like, he knew it was going to happen. James Neal had been, you know, pushed around from Vegas, or sorry, from Pittsburgh 
to Nashville and now to Vegas. So again, another like really high quality caliber player who is being sent on his way one more time. That has to leave a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. So you've got those two stars, those two veterans. And then you have a lot of other players who are coming in who are perfectly solid players, but just aren't quite where their teams needed them to be. So one of the other things about Vegas is kind of, I don't know, you can make a parallel to any 1980s sports movie, right? Like Stan Lot <laughs> or whatever. It's just a bunch of misfits that have first, for whatever reason, decided to come together. Um, but I think a lot has to also do with the, cho- um, with the coaching staff. And I think it also has a lot to do with no expectations on them whatsoever. They, people did not expect anything from them. If they had been at the bottom of the Pacific division, but they'd managed to even fill half the seats in that stadium, that would have been considered a success because it's a first year franchise team. But instead, without any of that pressure with all these players and some who might have bigger chips than others came in and, and they found that elusive thing that people always talk about, which is chemistry. Like, like they all seem to have it. Um, And a lot of it, you know, and the goaltending, I think, can't cannot be underestimated. Flurry has been yeah. really, really good. They even when they went through some goaltending drama early in the season, and they kind of cycled through, I think, five different goalies. They still managed to to be resilient and to stay resilient. And it's really funny to me that Vegas has just really embraced them. Right? They've really just come in and they have totally felt the love of this team. It's not like Toronto where every tiny thing that you do wrong will be dissected and pulled apart by the media. These, these guys are just in a town that's happy to have them. Yeah, the fan base can't be understated as well. I Just yeah. just the way that, that – and I love NHL rabid fan bases that, that are – you know, the, the fan bases are so uh, rooted to a franchise and they are, are, are as rabid as any fan base. I, that's what I say with the NHL these days is, is the fandom only reaches out to sort of casual fans in the postseason when NHL hockey gets really exciting. But during the season, it's – all these these fans and they are devoted and they they are absolutely there for you 100% and in Vegas where they've been looking i think for a professional franchise for a long time the, here it is and i think this mm-hmm. goes well for like Seattle for example which is yes. going to get a franchise and and that's really exciting one point i wanted to also make about the expansion draft was i remember weeks before mm-hmm. you and i were talking about uh, doing some mock drafts and the mock drafts that I read inevitably had them picking a better team than they ended up with, which was so funny because there were all these little wheels and deals. I was looking back at it yesterday while writing this column. Like they they traded, you know, they they got a few picks to incentivize them not to take a certain player in the expansion draft, um, which is kind of a fun little twist. And mm-hmm. they actually would have ended up maybe with an even better team than they have, but here they are potentially they're they're up three zero in their series. Uh, and and they are super exciting from that point of view that they have put this together in a way that that everyone was laughing at them after the 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 expansion draft and saying this team oh they're going to be the one of the worst franchises ever and that's okay and now look at what they have they have a team that could make its way to the cup in its first year and then also be good for the future because they have all these draft picks accrued. Yeah, I I really do think that there was smart drafting for them to to kind of just say we're just going to take whatever you know players that we can kind of get and uh, uh, load up on draft picks that seems to be the that seemed to be their um their philosophy uh, like, like i remember everybody was like cool vegas is just going to have an entire team of demon like you know what i mean like they had so many defensemen <laughs> but it worked in their favor um that being said i i think that their inexperience will at some point catch up to them um 
they have done really well so far. I think they're up 3-0 against the Kings. But that has also been because, uh, I mean, they've played they've played really well. But it's not like they it's not like they have steamrolled over the Kings. So I think that uh, they'll make it to round two. Um, in which case, they might probably face. I think San Jose is is who they might be looking at. Possibly, or, or yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that if they do run up against like an experienced team then they might struggle a little bit. Not that the Kings aren't experienced, but I think that the, the further along they go, you know, the pressure might start to catch up to them. Well, thank you so much for joining us and talking hockey with us. Uh, we'll probably have you back on, or I, you, or you could listen to Hemel do her thing on Fridays <laughs> with us. But I, I want to have you back on so we can talk about the Cup Finals when, when they happen. Uh, where can we find you again? Are you just you're just Hemel Javeri? Yes, I am Hem Javeri, J-H-A-V-E-R-I, at on Twitter. Awesome. You should follow Hem Javeri and Hemel and all things she does. Uh, thanks for joining us and, and keep on listening, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.